we're back for another episode of the DBSA Wellness Wheel podcast. For you first-time listeners, the Wellness Wheel podcast is a monthly podcast Maria and I create as a companion to DBSA's new tool, the DBSA Wellness Wheel. In the podcast, we will explore each area of wellness and then interview an expert on the subject. And today we are going to talk about social wellness. Something so needed right now, (laughs) I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We are diving into um, another um, layer of COVID, the um, a new a new section. So we need it. Absolutely. So yeah, let's uh, let's dive in. Maria, want to tell us what social wellness is about in our wheel? I do. Social wellness involves creating and sustaining healthy, supportive relationships. So wellness in this area means considering how to connect with others and create community. Yeah, and I can't think of a more relevant thing to talk about right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because people are more isolated than ever because of COVID. And, you know, I think it's hard to connect with the communities we might have traditionally connected with we're not even seeing our co-workers regularly so yeah i'm excited to hear from our expert on that me too um so hannah tell me all about your socialness for sure yeah well i feel very fortunate you know i think the wellness wheel talks about you know having a healthy social life means having healthy relationships with people that you trust and you know having supportive communities and i I feel really fortunate that I have so many like really good trusting relationships from way back in the day, but you know, it, it, it has been hard recently. Mm-hmm. I think with COVID just keeping in touch with anyone, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I think in my own experience too, I feel like I'm, I'm coming up on my late twenties and you know, maybe other people in their twenties will have this experience too. Like so much of our social life when we're younger is all tied to school, you know? Then you get to the end of your 20s and it's like, oh, it really takes a lot of effort, you know, <laughs> to, to stay in touch with people. And I think, you know, for me and my experience, like symptoms of depression can make me want to isolate and, you know, not necessarily reach out to folks. And then I feel shame about that. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's challenging uh, yeah. to stay social, especially right now. Yes. Uh, you know, it's interesting you, you brought up, and this is something I haven't thought of, um, you know, you're in your 20s and uh, the, the coming out of school and that transition out of, or finding new people, you know, do you find it through work, etc. And um, I think that, oh my Lord, through my 20s, um, I, I did not have all healthy relationships and I didn't have the, the support that I need. And over the years, now that I'm in my 40s, I finally have uh, like a band of um, people that I can talk to and hang out with. Um, Of course, uh, COVID has uh, made that a challenge. Um, But we're finding finding our way. We're trying to figure out, uh, like I have a friend, we never Zoom. We just talk on the phone like it's the 80s. And it's been been somewhat refreshing, which is, which is funny, um, but it is. I love a good phone relationship. And I feel like my generation of millennials has abandoned that for 
texting and, and other ways to communicate, but I love a good phone call. And I think that has been something helpful during this time period. It's just calling up a friend and like, you know, just spending some good meaningful time chatting on the phone. Yeah. We, um, we talk on Thursday nights for at least two hours. Um, and it's kind of a nice, uh, you know, we know the next day is Friday and, uh, it's almost the weekend. So it's just, it's a good, uh, and we, you know, we both talk about, uh, we talk about mental health. We talk about, you know, our own mental health and, and how we're doing and what we're doing. So it's, uh, therapy and it's, you know, it's an intimate friendship. So that is, yeah, I am. Well, Hannah, I am glad to be out of my twenties. So I'll say that. <laughs> well, again, I'm like getting out of them now, but I, as I was like thinking about this podcast and thinking about talking about my social life, I did, you know, notice like, oh, wow, it's so much easier to have everything built in with your school life. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, as that kind of changes, you know, you kind of have to put additional effort into, you know, maintaining the relationships that you value and stuff. So. Yeah. And, you know, that brings up, um, like our communities, uh, the, the right. people, not just friendships, but, um, different, uh, you know, again, COVID, I'm so tired of saying that word or that acronym rather. Um, I, I did so, I had so many, um, I was involved with a lot of, you know, different theater things and um, artist things and that, uh, that has been a challenge. We've, you know, we've done some meeting in the park, but it's, there is not a lot of structure to it. And uh, structure is another um, yeah. S word that is important to me. Um, and I, not just to me, I think for uh, wellness, that, that structure, you know, not rigid, but structured. And uh, it's that in itself is support. And, um, you know, since March, it's, it's been, a, um, I've had to figure that out. I don't know how much I've figured out, but as everybody, we're all trying to adapt and we are finding different ways to adapt. And I think, as I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, we have another season coming that, and a big one, you know, holidays and, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which is another social, uh, is it's going to poke at that. So, um, yeah. Overall. And I feel like, you know, as we look ahead to the holiday plans, I'm sure people are already thinking now, like, yeah, what's going to what is connection going to be like with my loved ones this year? Is yeah. it going to be different? Is how am I going to deal with that? And the weather in and of itself is something that I usually, um, you know, start feeling the changes around this time and get worried because of the shortening mm -hmm. days and mm -hmm. less light. I, I tend to feel more depressed in the winter time, just always mm -hmm. have, but yeah. So, yeah, this is, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what everybody believes, but I, the winter is, you know, symbolically this grieving time, uh, you know, the leaves are falling and things are dying and that, uh, you know, you're at home more. I mean, I guess, you know, we don't all live in California, so um, it's, it's not always, I'm not always motivated to go outside to put on 10 yeah. layers and go outside. So yeah. 
and that lack of nature. I mean, we've talked about this in past podcasts, um, you know, uh, for mental health. Um, for but yeah, when we're trying to plan for social connections this winter, it's like, yeah. I'm not getting a heat lamp to stand outside with people. I'm sorry. I'm just not <laughs> doing that. So I, I hope we can, you know, we can kind of, you know, talk to the expert, find a little bit more about how we might ideate around solutions for this winter, you know, because it's going to be even harder uh, yeah. to keep, to keep connected with folks. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, something else interesting is, uh, you know, a person with a diagnosis or who experiences um, depression uh, in COVID, uh, so many people are experiencing symptoms um, mm -hmm. and not, not necessarily because of this clinical, um, you know, diagnosis, but, but in the, you know, the time we're in, it's, uh, other people are going to understand um, what it feels like. And, right. uh, you know, in, in a positive sense, this could bring up a good conversation. Um, you know, it could, it could, now someone might understand a little bit more what um, isolation feels like. And uh, right. not, you know, everybody, I, you don't have to have a diagnosis to understand isolation, but the ongoing and the unknown, um, like the just not knowing when things are going to end. Um, right. That is at least what I experience with isolation and it's what causes so much anxiety and um, hopelessness. So it's kind of nice to be able to have this conversation with anybody. <laughs> you know, we don't have to call it depression. This is just what we're all right. experiencing. So. And naming it, I think, gives it so much power. Just to say, like, because I think it's hard to say, like, I, I don't feel as connected or I do feel lonely. But, you know, symptoms of depression, um, you know, symptoms of bipolar can make that happen for folks. So, mm -hmm. yeah, just naming it, too, I think is like so. And once you do open up to a friend and you know, kind of let them know how you're feeling more, that can be helpful. Yeah. But I, I think it can be super hard for people who might be feeling this stuff for the first time. Yes, so. for sure. For sure. Well, I am looking forward to talking to um, Beth, and I, I know she's going to have some really rich things to say. I know our audience is going to learn some stuff, and, and um, yeah, I'm excited to talk to Beth. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Welcome back to the second portion of this podcast. Today we have with us Beth Vaccaro. She is a person trying to figure it out just like you. Uh, she's a St. Louis native, attended Webster University, and earned a master's degree in counseling. She did her postgraduate training at Care and Counseling and the St. Louis Psychoanalytic Institute. Currently, she is in private practice as a therapist in Clayton. She sees adults and adolescents with a wide variety of issues and practices from a psychodynamic perspective. Thank you so much for joining us today, Beth. Maria, Hannah, thanks for having me. It's a delight. <laughs> well, good. So uh, after Hannah and I recorded our first portion, um, I guess we got a little sad at the end. So we're so happy to have you with us to help us walk through this 
uh, social wellness. I'm happy to be here. I hear that oftentimes from patients, you know. I'm so happy to see you, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me well, hold we really, we really, really are. And, um, you know, yeah, at the end we were talking about all the seasonal changes that are going to affect our social wellness this year, which we know about. And I know we'll get to that, but yeah, I want to dive in with our first question, um, which is just, can you talk a little bit about the importance of social wellness, just kind of on a basic human needs level? Absolutely. Um, so we human beings are just like any other mammal on the planet. Um, our social connections are essential to our survival. And in a 2013 book called Social, Matthew Lieberman, who's a biobehavioral scientist at UCLA, um, he said that our need to connect is as powerful as our need for food and water, hmm. which contradicts like um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which, which put social connection a lot higher on the pyramid, um, much higher up than food and water. Um, so, I mean, just to think about that, it, it, it is that necessary. And they, we know that um, a long time ago in, in orphanages where babies weren't held and cuddled and loved, but were given um, food, um, they oftentimes would die um, with a failure to thrive. So we know that it is, it is essential for us. And it, it really is our brain's lifelong passion to connect socially and an integral part of our well-being. That being said, you know, it's harder for people that have mental health challenges on many different levels to find adequate social connection. And so it's, it really is important to just acknowledge that. Yeah, speaking of symptoms of depression uh, or bipolar can cause people to want to isolate more or, or cause shame or distorted thinking. Uh, with bipolar experiences of mania for folks who live with bipolar, we know might strain relationships, um, so, sort of defeating this, this uh, connection that we need. How can we understand these symptoms? So, you know, first of all, just sort of acknowledging what might get in the way of relationship, you know, inside of ourselves to say, like, for example, if, if I am suffering from depression and I'm in a place where I tend to withdraw more, um, to just acknowledge that that might be happening within ourselves, you know, to, to kind of take an inventory of, of, of what gets in the way of connecting. At what times do we have difficulty connecting? What times do we have um, more ease connecting? So somebody that might be in a, a hypomanic state, they might be able to really engage a lot of people during that time in their illness. But then, um, you know, I hear in my office that people feel like they're disappointing other people when um, you know, the tide turns and they might be feeling more depressive and more withdrawn more, with less energy to give to social relationships. So I think, you know, one of the things that might be really important is to think about who are the people that are in your world. And after you take that personal inventory of, of thinking about when are you more social? When are you less social? To just be honest then with those people. And hopefully those are people that have 
uh, empathy and understanding for for you and for your challenges you know and people that have bipolar disorder people that have depression they have challenges but all humans have challenge um, yeah. as much as we need social connection it's very difficult yeah. um, so to be able to be authentic in relationship and say you know sometimes i'm not able to connect with you um, that being said you know oftentimes i will push some of my patients to to still engage because it's better for them in the long run, even if it's really, really hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it seems like, you know, for folks who live with depression, bipolar, there seems like, you know, getting through that period of maybe I wasn't connecting as well, it seems like a lot of feelings of, you know, guilt and shame might come up, um, you know, yeah, distorted thinking, you might write some narratives about what your friends might be thinking that would be really false. So, you know, how do we begin to think about the quality of our relationships? You know, what should we think about in terms of developing these healthy relationships that can, you know, be vulnerable and trusting? Sure. We tend to pattern our relationships, especially romantic relationships and close friendships, um, from the blueprint of our childhood. And so a, a lot of us that, that do have depression or bipolar disorder, um, I would say a, a pretty large percentage didn't have great relationships um, to base the rest of our relationships on. And so sometimes um, those relationships in adulthood can look um, problematic and can actually um, cause more mental health struggles. So we do know that um, when, we, when we have a poor quality of relationship that increases our depressive symptoms um, and a loss of social support through grief or um, a breakup of a relationship can tr trigger um, manic episodes. So choosing your relationships carefully um, I mentioned in, um, a few moments ago about empathy and understanding. I would also say reciprocity is an important component of relationship. So when you're thinking about, you know, the people that you have in your circle, are these people that need more from you? Are these people that you need more from? Or is there more of a balance? And when there is more of a balance, I think that then some of those ruminating thoughts that you were talking about, Hannah, or the distorted thinking, um, our, our partner or our friends can be a sounding board and to say, mm -hmm. I can understand how you might be thinking that way, but you're actually really lovely to, to spend time with. And I don't feel that way about you. That's so funny. Uh, just speaking with a friend last night, she's, she was on a roll. She just went through, um, you know, she had a, a rough day with with parents and um, that she's that are aging and she's um, trying to help take care of them. And, and we're on the phone and she is rant, rant, rant. And every time I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm like, please, please, yeah. I get to go next. So <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> um, I, I need you to be able to be this vulnerable with me mm -hmm. so that I can be vulnerable with you. Mm -hmm. And what I keep hearing from you is this theme of, um, awareness, being aware of, um, your place 
in a relationship and how the other person's uh, place affects your own um, humanness, your own personhood. And uh, that can be tough. Um, all this stuff is tough. What a what a generic way to say that. But it just it's uh, it can be so complicated. One because of the, you know, you mentioned growing up, the modeling that we had. Um, you know, when we watch our parents, uh, or we watched our parents, and now we're that was our our guide. And you know, and then you get into your own relationship, and you're like, whoa, I, now I understand my mom, or oh, you know. Why did my dad do that? <laughs> so um, yeah, it's it's integrating all of that into your own um, uh, into your own relationships, into your uh, you know your support system versus because I, I have friends who are I am more of the giver, and I have other mm -hmm. friends that I need you um, to to help with this and uh, but always being open to having that conversation of, hey, I can't give you this right now, <laughs> or um, I want to give you this and, and I'm sad that you won't let me, <laughs> you know, help in this way. So it's um, communication, That's, that seems to be a word. There's a huge, um, I think there's, there's something really um, huge in, um, a lot of our struggles to be able to to take up the space that we need in relationships. So Maria, I'm glad to hear that you can see that it looks different in different relationships yeah. um, in your life and that um, you might have the courage to just speak up if somebody is taking too much from you or you find yourself giving too much because then, you know, that can strain our mental health and exacerbate any kind of symptoms we might be having. Yeah. So always sort of trying to almost like keeping the relationship in in tune, like our radio stations in tune, you know, trying to keep that balance. Um, and that looks different for everybody. But, yeah. you know, uh, you know, a lot of my patients certainly talk about feeling guilty for having needs. Mm -hmm. And we all have mm -hmm. needs. We're humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that we are, are mentioning this, though, because it's, you know, the wellness wheel talks a lot about the healthy boundaries we need to set in relationships. I think what's challenging to use your kind of tuning analogy on the radio is like, it seems like, you know, we're, we're especially in a moment where we have to really retune how we show up socially for, for people because of COVID, you know, like, it's about like for me now it's kind of complicated like what is everyone's boundaries about distance what is how do people mm -hmm. want to communicate best right now are you sick of being on zoom are you you know so i i think i like that analogy of kind of tuning it like a radio because we're always kind of in different circumstances that are going to make us like renegotiate the boundaries on relationships and i think you know as someone who comes from a perspective of having symptoms of depression at times like it can be hard to tune that radio because I'm giving myself, you know, that narrative. And well, in this time in particular during COVID, you know, it's challenging. It's very challenging. And, and the reality that, you know, if you're, if you're in the space of, of having a lot of symptoms that you, you might not have an accurate view of the other person. And sometimes we write fiction um, <laughs> that we imagine that, you know, this person would not want to hear that we're struggling, for example, or um, that we are, I have, I, I have had many lovely 
patients that have depression and they'll talk about, you know, they can't imagine being interesting enough to spend time with. And, you know, sitting across the room from them, I think, my gosh, if we weren't, you know, patient and, and, and therapist, I, I'd want to have you to dinner. You're so interesting. You're so lovely. You're so <laughs> just dynamic. Um, but, but going back to, you know, just depending on where we are in whatever mental state that we're in, um, you know, it the can look stories good. we tell ourselves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Fiction. Yeah. You're writing fiction. <laughs> yeah. I'm a good writer, Beth. So that's fine. <laughs> no, but that, you know, actually, uh, just to throw like, I, I actually love that because I do love writing things off of like to, to get it out of my head is, oh, you know, either write a story about it or uh, dialogue with it. My therapist loves dialoguing with things. So nice. um, I, actually it's, I love that um, analogy. But bringing up COVID, the, because everybody, whether you live with a diagnosis or not, everybody is extra stressed right now with what's yeah. going on. Everybody's dealing with, um, not being able to see uh, friends and family as much, and um, this is what this is what got Hannah and I to be Debbie Downers as we started yeah. talking about the holidays coming up and uh, how are we going to do that? Um, and I guess what's interesting about that is we're all well, we'll never we we will never all be on the same playing field ever <laughs> for for many inequity reasons, but there is this we all have to deal with this one thing now and um again on the straining relationships people who might have otherwise been able to if i needed something they would have been there and now mm -hmm. there there are people um who can't be there because they're dealing with their own stuff right now um because of covid um so what are ways that I guess, how, how do we navigate that? Do you have any idea on how we, we start to navigate this upcoming holiday season and um, mental health? What a huge question. Sorry to throw this at you, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> how do we fix this? Um, but I, I guess I just want all three of us to have a conversation on what can we, what, what can we do? Because another thing that we come across in all these podcasts is we can only manage, you know, we can only control certain things. So many things are out of our control, especially because of, of the entire environment. So do you have any thoughts on how we can, I don't know, well, how we can navigate this? I, I think that probably the, the, the most important thing is that we're talking about it. And yeah. that means that we're acknowledging that winter's coming and it is going to be uh, a winter like we've never known and it, it's full of loss you know people that we look forward to seeing at the holidays we're not going to see uh, patio chats are going to be a lot harder unless you really find some good blankets and heaters <laughs> you know you're in Chicago and it's probably already pretty cold there <laughs> it is cooler so like anything, um, the acknowledgement allows us to create the space to then feel the feelings, whether they're, you know, that you feel angry that you can't 
see the people that you want to see. You can feel angry that the holidays are going to look a lot different. And then you can feel your feelings and create the space in your brain, I think, to come up with some alternatives and to be able to ride this winter out, you know. Um, and the alternatives, you know, that that's, that's sort of a co-creation too. I mean, you know, is it feasible for you to create a pod with another family comfortably? It, that depends on everybody's comfort level. There are some good tools out there to, that you can plug in and find out what, what, you, what is your risk level? What are you comfortable <laughs> with? If you do this activity on a scale of one to 10, um, yeah. how risky is it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I like what you're saying. I have a feeling that um, uh, I'm going to be eating turkey over Zoom with family members. And yeah. what you were just saying about, well, if you're angry about it, you can all eat turkey and talk about how angry you are. You can. <laughs> I mean, which is unlike most Thanksgivings, honestly. <laughs> that is we stuff the feet. <laughs> Touche. And then, they, then people come and see me and tell me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Job security. It's always um, been a high time of the year. Oh, yes. This time of the year, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> After well, the holidays, for sure. Yeah. Holidays. They, they throw another wrench into it. But I, I guess, you know. I like that you acknowledge that, yeah, we do have to grieve. You know, I think yeah. that's something we might've been talking about more at the beginning of COVID. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, we, I, I think I was feeling it, hearing about it a lot more like at May, you know, people didn't have the normal kind of graduations. People mm -hmm. didn't have the normal kind of summer. So it has kind of been a continuous like re-entry of grief for the new things that like we're not able to do in the same way. But yeah, I always have to be reminded that sitting with that, does free up some mental space. You know, if you allow yourself to grieve, then you have some mental space to be like, okay, well, what am I gonna do now? So yeah, I, I appreciate that reminder for sure. But it's, it's hard with this grief, you know, like, do you have any thoughts about like moving through that grief process? Um, it, I think one of the things that, that makes it so difficult is we just don't know how long it's going to be. I mean, we know that winter is going to last until well, I'm in St. Louis, and so I can count on some nice days in early to mid-April. So I know how long I'm going to hold on. But because of the nature of COVID, you know, none of us, I think, at the beginning thought that we would still be doing this now. Yeah. And right. so, you know, even and we when we lose a loved one, you know, we have an estimate about how long that acute grief is going to to last, you know, a month for every year of life that you've been in close connection. But we don't know how long we have to do this. And I think that unknown um, it compounds the grief, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, taking it back to, I am grieving, I am sad, I am angry. And how can I take this one step at a time? Because we don't know. We don't know what we don't know and that, you know, there's grief in that as well. Well, and again, back to what you're saying is um, this, all this grief, if we, if we're able to, because we can't make the same kind of connections, um, 
because of all these, uh, because of a pandemic, how we can still connect with each other on the, um, the reality, the grief, the, because that's mm-hmm. still, even if it feels sad to say, like to, to talk about um, the grief together, that connection, that intimacy is, is just, can be just as fulfilling. It may not feel as good, but our, our, um, our souls, I, our hearts, I don't, I don't know. I don't mean to, again, I always like to get woo woo in these things, but it's <laughs> that, that, um, that connection we have to make a, we have to be able to make a 20 second virtual hug out of it. You know, that, yeah. that really does change things. And to be able to say that doesn't actually hit the spot. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> I mean, maybe those are some of the alternatives that we're talking about that, you know, at Thanksgiving, we stay pretty far away from our feelings oftentimes with family members and and because we have the we have this shared experience that it does open up a certain level of intimacy that can be there and that's maybe a bit of the silver lining and so that is also part of the alternative what what is the silver lining um what's the the yin inside of the yang um through all of this what can we learn about each other and how can we connect in a way that maybe wasn't possible not living in a pandemic? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the retrospect is always helpful for me. I feel like, you know, once we move past this, I think we will have understood that we can learn, we can learn a lot from like collective grief and, you know, making community during hard times. Um, you know, it can be especially, it feels like it's especially straining for folks who, you know, are living with depression, bipolar, might be thinking things that aren't, um, that aren't based in reality as much um, mm-hmm. at times. But, but yeah, I like, I like, I like this idea about the sharing of the, of the vulnerabilities, that that is building community too, and that, that is sharing. So it's a different way, a different way to connect. It feels right? kind of sad, but yeah, but yeah. I mean, communities grieve together. So mm-hmm. they do, we, you know, acknowledging that that's, that's okay at this time. Like that's, that's really exciting for me to hear right now. Cause I hadn't yeah. thought about yeah. it before this conversation. <laughs> nice. so, yeah. yeah. Well, also, oh, please go ahead. Oh no, no, go on. I, well, I was just thinking too, that, you know, we, we do have this access to the internet and it is a way that we can connect and we don't have to invent the wheel. I mean, people are so creative and there's so much information out there um, of, of how to make this work. How could we make this winter work? Um, and we just have to, I think, seek out alternatives. I'm gonna try to learn to play the piano. It's been about 20 years. I'm um, oh. going to need to learn, some, you know, notes again and stuff like that. <laughs> Maria, when we were uh, talking the other day, you said that you're baking. Mm-hmm. That's something, you know. Um, I was actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I was going to bring it up is that I've, I have started baking and that, that isn't just to give me something to do. It is to feel connection to, you know, my mom and I used to make cookies or mm. I, I just made pumpkin bread last night. That was my favorite of the breads my mom and I would make. And so I'm connecting with her when I do that. Okay. And, you know, we're talking about the internet and all these new technology things as, as a way to stay together. But my mind right now is actually going to pre-internet and maybe I actually will send out 
um, cards this year, greeting cards. And yeah. uh, because again, even though we're not physically together, um, spending that time and energy uh, writing a note and, and connecting in that way is, because who doesn't love getting a card in the mail? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's the best. So I'm actually thinking about um, um, other, other ways to, to connect that, uh, well, I mean, that's what social wellness, that's what a big part of this is, is, is if not all connection. So I don't there might know. be there might be more time and space too to even think about the sweetness of those connections, you know, to be able to, you know, not just say happy holidays, but you know, maybe find a little time to connect with a a memory where you you felt connected to that person, you know, mm -hmm. to 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 find that in your mind's eye and share that with that person that that might be an example of a yeah. Wow. Well, it's, there seems like a lot of opportunities that we will be able to engage with at the end of the year that will make meaning for us. It's just, it's going to look different. And I think, yeah. you know, that's really hard for people to start digesting. And I think, you know, more and more we are, you know, focusing on year end and, and yeah, and then looking out into the future of the unknown, which we've been living in for the last been more than six what, months now. Seven what month months? are we on? I'm doing the math in real time. Seven. Never a good yeah. thing for me to do math in real time. But, but yeah. yeah. Well, this is, you know, I, I think um, I, I, in a strange way that even though this feels like it's, it can be melancholic, it, there's also this uh, challenge isn't the right word, but there's this motivation to to, to not just sit in it, you know, to, even if it feels sad, what can I, what can I do with that? Um, so in, in a strange way, I feel uplifted. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I have, a, I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of hope that even though we're living through this time period, once we get out of it, we'll learn so many new things about how we can be in the world, you know? Yeah. And even though it's really hard right now, like that's an opportunity. So, yeah. So yeah, trying to end it on a uplifting. I, well, and I'm not even forcing that. It it does feel but like I, this. I really am. Yeah. 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 How about you, Beth? Do you feel uplifted? Well, how are you feeling? How is yeah. our therapist feeling? It's <laughs> for asking. That's not a question I get very often. <laughs> not unless I go to my own therapy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, I think. I think we have to move beyond the stuckness of the loss and to, to metabolize, to, to metabolize those feelings to just to, to then create the space to, to bake the bread or to write mm -hmm. the card or to um, connect in creative ways. You, Maria, you use the word creative. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to have to really put our creative hats on this, this winter. <laughs> Definitely. But it's always an opportunity to learn too mm -hmm. about yeah. ourselves and other people. And that that is hopeful. Yeah. Yay. Yay. We'll get our sewing kits out. We're creating new hats to wear this winter. Literally. Be extra warm. We need it. Extra cozy. Uh, and yeah. you'll see my creations on uh, Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> 
going to be a lot of sad snowmen <laughs> on that. <laughs> I would feel good if you just knew I was trying to make a snowman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have people get a prize if they if they if they're able to guess accurately. Absolutely. I like this. I think I think we're we're using our creative juices right now as we speak. <laughs> yes, actually. Yeah. And actually that's why um it could feel uplifting. It's we're doing something with with that um energy, that energy loss. Um we're doing something different with it. Yeah. Well, this has been um uh, just a really nice, I don't know, a warm, this felt like a warm blanket. <laughs> this felt like a connection. Oh my, look at that. How did we do it? <laughs> <laughs> we did it by talking about it. So yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We proved your, your, uh, point, your theory. So, um, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Beth. Both of you take care through the winter. Take good care of yourselves. Yeah. We'll stay in touch to, to figure out how we were creative to get through yes. it. So. Sounds like a great plan. <laughs> well, great. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us again as we explored this spoke of the wheel. Take care till next time. <laughs>